welcome back to The Bold Platform. This is our first episode for 2020. So welcome everybody. If this is your first episode, it's great to have you here. And if you have been listening throughout 2019, thank you so much for coming back to the show and listening again. My name is Adrian, and I started the podcast um, in February of 2019, so almost a year now. And the podcast is all about interviewing women and girls from around Australia who have started their own social enterprise or social impact businesses. And the aim of the show is to get their stories out and to um, help other people in the community learn about these incredible businesses. So for our first episode of the year, I am joined by Katie from Ground & Co. It's very exciting because this is our first guest from WA. So welcome, Katie. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's taken us a couple of a couple of weeks to get together. So thank you so much for making the time. Let's um let's get straight to us. What is Ground and Co all about? So Ground and Co actually is um, an initiative of the Underground Collaborative, which is I suppose the parent company, if you will. Um, and the Underground Collaborative uh, provides employment and housing solutions for people experiencing or at risk of homelessness. Um, so Ground Co is our first employment initiative and we train and employ people experiencing disadvantage, um, homelessness and at risk of homelessness to become baristas. Oh, incredible. So you have a coffee shop or a coffee cart, is it, or both? Uh, yeah, so it's a small coffee cart um, and the idea is to hopefully expand to other locations so we can have actually a bricks and mortar coffee shop and around other locations, particularly in um, around WA as well, where there are a lot more marginalised people in remote areas. Right. Um, but our first one is just a small coffee cart. So starting small, but it's been um, really amazing. And when did it start? So the Grand & Co uh, actually launched in uh, November last year, so November 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's only been probably like two months or so. So, yeah, the, I guess the Underground Collaborative has been actually two years in the making. So that mm. one I started in October 2017. Okay. So it was almost kind of like monumental that Grindaco launched almost to the day that I uh, started the Underground Collaborative. So it was really nice. Yeah. It took two years, but it was, yeah, definitely worth it. Worth it. it. Yeah. And so whereabouts in Perth, does a cart sort of have a permanent home or does it move around? How does that work? Having a cart, a coffee cart, actually is a logistical nightmare. So it is, <laughs> it is um, in a permanent spot, but we do have to pack it up every day. So it's based outside the EY building um, in the CBD above the Elizabeth Key train station. Beautiful. Well, hopefully I've never been to Perth, Perth, but hopefully one day I'll be able to get there and see it. So tell me, um, I guess, why the idea of a, a coffee cart or how that idea came to be in terms of training the baristas and having it in terms of a in terms of the coffee cart. Yeah, so um I was actually volunteering at one of my friend's cafe, which at the time was a social enterprise, and I thought this is pretty cool if I could do something similar, but try and incorporate as much social impact as possible, which includes environmental, you know, sustainability and also um, training and employing people who are disadvantaged and that would be a pretty cool sort of business model. And I'd always been very conscious of Band-Aid solutions. I always wanted to do something that was long-term and sustainable and really empowered people to be able to do their own thing and live their own lives and not be reliant on anyone else. And so I thought a job is really important. Um, And... I had explored other options through um, because bricks and mortar cafes are quite expensive, especially if you're starting out and, you know, hospitality isn't my background. Um, And I wanted to have a shipping container, but a lot of councils, especially in WA, um, haven't really started doing many of those 
initiatives in terms of it being um, a non-bricks and mortar. So they suggested doing a coffee cart and that's how I guess the coffee cart came about. So I would still like to do a shipping container cafe or um, a bricks and mortar one day. Okay. So when um, a member of the community finds out that there's an opportunity for them to train to be a barista through the coffee cart, talk us through, um, I guess, the, the process. So one, how they find you and all the way through to sort of their training with you. Hmm. So we actually partner with um, an agency, which I think is one of the most important parts of the business model, just because it's really important that whoever we bring on have the wraparound support to be able to ensure success for them. And also just because my background isn't in social services, I don't have Mm -hmm. any sort of background in that area. What I can do is definitely help them um, get into employment, but I can't claim or even try and, you know, imagine what it's like to be able to work on the field in that sort of area. So we have partners that refer their clients to us who are ready and willing for work. Um, And then we actually interview them like a normal sort of recruitment process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so they have practice writing CVs and cover letters. And then we'll have a chat to them and then um, we would go from there. So once they've been selected, which is most of the time, um, if not all actually, then we uh, train them through our partner um, barista, oh, sorry, our partner roasters, which is uh, Five Senses. Mm-hmm. And we do the formal training there and then most of it is on the job training. Okay. So then they get put on the roster and become part of the employee base. Yes. And um, in terms of the people that are coming through to you that in terms of the, um, you know, future baristas, do you find that their backgrounds are quite varied or they're quite similar in terms of how they came to be in the position that they are in, in terms of the disadvantage? So uh, we are, because we're so small, we've just started, we've, um, we work right now with Zontas, which is a women's refuge, and they work with women um, who've been survivors of family and domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, our, our cohort are those women, um, but even then their stories are very individual. They're very different. Mm. Um, so right now one of our employees, she's 65 and she's been through her own sort of journeys and then another one uh, is 30. So she's also been through her different journey and that's been more of a cultural um, situation. So, it's yeah, it does vary even within, I suppose, domestic violence as a whole. Yeah, it's such a, um, I guess that no two stories are the same in that space and even interviewing um, other guests on the show and and through my own experience with domestic, like being in a a violent relationship and then communicating with other people, it just, you just do learn so much that, you know, um, whilst there are a lot of similarities, it's also, you know, very different and everyone's situation is is quite unique, but with some of those kind of core things underlying. So from when you started in November to now, what have been, I guess, some of the the hurdles or the trickier um, parts for you in terms of setting up the business and and getting it um, up and running? I think, um, excuse me, people are very particular about coffee and I don't know what it's like for you guys every so I'm sure that uh, you know you've got such a a wide variety of Mm -hmm. different cafes and things and Perth is certainly picking up in that space so I think it's hard to really change those habits and when you know that you're going to go to a good cafe and have good coffee and have a good barista customer experience and really trying to shift people from that routine is very challenging Mm -hmm. Um, and 
the whole notion of the mobile coffee cart and having to move it every day and packing it up and making sure it looks aesthetically pleasing as well because we're in a bit of a corporate space is also really hard. So I think they've been probably the hardest parts. And mm. um, I've also gone from not having any employees all of a sudden having five and now I've got, gone to four. So that was also a big learning curve for me as well, um, but so enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. On the flip side of that, what have been the biggest sort of highlights or milestones or the moments where you felt um, the most proud of yourself, I guess, or like you, it was all going on track? I think uh, the the most rewarding thing was when we made our first payment to our staff, mm-hmm. um, especially for me because I hadn't employed people before, but more specifically because um, three of our employees they hadn't had the opportunity to work uh for or sorry two of them hadn't had the opportunity to work for you know at least 10 years because of their situation so this is the first job that they'd had for over a decade wow being able to actually pay them although it seems like a small thing uh really made such a huge difference to them and obviously for me as well knowing that through something as simple as coffee can really help change their lives so uh that was really really rewarding yeah, absolutely. So apart from the staff, is it just yourself in the business? Yes. So as an off-profit, we do have our board, our amazing mm-hmm. board. But in terms of sort of on-the-ground um, team, operational team, it is just me. So what does a normal day um, in the life of Katie look like? <laughs> if there is such a thing as an average or normal day, it's a tricky question, I know. <laughs> it is tricky only because... Um, I guess right now the cafe is, you know, that runs daily. So I know that that's going to be there all the time. Mm. I'm trying to step out from that at the moment just because um, I want it to be more self-sustaining and empowering the, the team to be able to work independently. But obviously, you know, there's lots of things that need um, tweaking still. So I find I'm going in there in the mornings and I also love seeing them as well. So I'll go there and then once the, once the cafe closes, I'll come home and do some more work. Um, try and wake up at five o'clock, go for a morning walk just to, mm-hmm. to start the day right. And, you know, we have such an amazing weather in Perth, so it's really good to be able to capitalise on that. And then that's really how it goes. And I'll normally sort of work um, right through the evening, but I don't really think of it as work. I quite enjoy what I'm doing. So it's not like I, it's a chore or mm. something that I dread doing because I really do love it. And it's more just when I get home, you know, doing payroll or admin type of work and then getting to the so business development side of things, which is also really enjoyable. So what does that look like for you in terms of the business development? Is that around getting um, more more carts or more hours where you are? Yeah, so I would definitely love to be able to open another cafe this year. So it's trying to find out how we can get more funding um, mm-hmm. and then also that really does generate from being able to improve on the current coffee cart just to make sure that that is self-sustaining and then we can generate more funds to do more work, obviously more social impact. Mm. Um, I think measuring outcomes is also really important to be able to demonstrate to our customers, uh, everyone that supports us and showing that, hey, it's not just coffee, this is where your support is helping mm. and how it's actually changing lives. So I spend a lot of time doing that and also just doing a lot of research and how we can do better as a cafe, as just a social enterprise. And I don't know, there's always, I always seem to find myself down different rabbit holes and <laughs> always seem to be going off track, <laughs> but in the best way. Yeah, I think that's something that's been common with other guests as well, that when I've spoken to them around um, 
you know, you referred to it as a, as a rabbit hole, but just, I guess, being open to different opportunities. I remember when we spoke with, um, when I spoke with Bronwyn from Need a Tutor, which is an online tutoring platform for people in remote areas that can't physically get to a face-to-face tutor. Originally, it was just meant to be for anybody to use the tutoring service, but they got approached around making it making it specific for Indigenous um, rural communities. And so mm-hmm. they went down this totally different path that she never had sort of thought about. But she, I remember Bronwyn saying, you know, by having her eyes open and being, um, you know, interested in other ideas or at least just being open to it, it allowed the business to go in other directions that she never would have even thought of like she knew where she wanted to go but still was open and and fluid and flexible to other opportunities that might have crossed her path Mm, absolutely I think it's that uh, flexibility that you're saying that really allows for other other parts of impact that you might have thought about as well and getting other parts of the people from the community involved as well and how can you really be the most effective in what you want to do Mm. as opposed to trying to do everything sometimes and and just knowing that uh, things kind of happen for a reason as well. I'm not overly sort of in the belief that um, this is your just destiny because I think it is what you make as well. But mm. and sometimes life throws things and it just happens in the best way as possible, even if it does mean setbacks sometimes. So, yeah, you have to definitely have to be open to change um, and pivoting in the space, especially if you want to do it correctly, like for the people that you want to benefit Definitely. Mm. When you first took up the space that you're in in front of the EY building, what was some of the feedback from members of the community that were then sort of walking past and asking what the cart was all about? What was some of the, what were the community sort of saying to you and the staff about the setup? They, yeah, I think it's not something they've really seen before. So that kind of excites them. Um, they do get quite excited about knowing that the purchasers or, you know, the conscious consumerism can really make a difference. Mm. Um, sometimes people don't always ask questions because maybe they don't know how to or whether they think it's appropriate. Right. Um, we do have a sign at the front just to give a bit of a background as to how the support helps. We don't go into too much details or because um, also want to keep in mind that these are people and these are, you know, they're normal people who just want a job. So we don't really want to sort of tokenize, I suppose, their situation as Got well. Got you. Mm. Yeah, it's a fine line, isn't it, yeah. between like educating the community on the contribution they can make by choosing your cafe or your car over the next place but without making it, like you said, a token or kind of using those people's situations from, from a commercial point of view. I exactly. guess it's a fine line for you. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and so I've very, been very conscious that we try to advertise ourselves where possible that we are a cafe, but by the way, your support also helps us change lives. It's, that's not our our sort of social impact isn't our selling factor mm. um, because I want to make sure that we are sustainable through our commercial initiatives, but also um, I want people to support us because we're a good business mm. um, and also that, that translates through the social impact. And I don't like that sort of the notion of, um, poverty porn or sort of mm. people in and there's nothing wrong with it you know of course it's just personally how I would like to sort of brand ourselves mm. Mm. I think there's been a lot of that in the media recently too because of um the fires that we had over sort of the December and January and it's like that 
period. It's like that fine line between raising awareness and almost kind of that whole concept of virtue signaling around, look at me, I'm donating all this money. But then there's probably a cause for the other side to go, well, you know, you're probably encouraging other people by sharing what you've done, encouraging other people to donate or, you know, contribute however they can. I guess, yeah, it's a just finding that balance with what you're mm. comfortable with and what the, the community is comfortable with and the people that work for you are comfortable with too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And and we don't want to sort of make a big scene about this is who they are and this is their past because for a lot of people it is they feel quite embarrassed as well. So it's not something they want to publicly necessarily advertise and say, mm. hey, I come from this sort of background. This is what happened in my past life because it definitely doesn't define them. Mm. And by what mm. they're doing with you is around moving forward and recreating the next chapter of the story and not letting that past story and and what's been done to them um, define the rest of their life. Like you said, whether it's 30 or 65, they've still got a long story to, a long part of their story to go. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, You mentioned earlier um, about sustainability also from an environmental point of view. How do you integrate that into the business? What are some of the things you do from a I guess, a sustainability point of view on that side of things? This one is really hard, to be honest, just because anything you create will also create some sort of environmental impact. Mm. Um, so it's hard to sort of be able to tackle all the sort of social aspects of business. Mm. Um, we do try and use, so our cups are from the Paper Cup Project and they use um, corn flour for their coffee cups. Mm. Uh, we have an incentive where, um, you know, normally when you go to a cafe, um, they might give you a 50 cent discount if you could bring your own cup. Yes. Um, so I'm always trying to think more long term as to how we can actually break the cycles of homelessness or end homelessness. So um, we've introduced an initiative where if people bring their own cup, we contribute that 50 cents towards bond for someone who needs a home. Um, even that might take a little bit longer to save that money up. Wow. Um, rapid rehousing, I think, is really important for people like, say, someone fleeing from a domestic violence mm-hmm. situation. Some of them, you know, do actually have jobs, but they don't have savings because of their situation. So um, they just need that little bit of money to get them into a home and they, they just need that bond money. So, um, you know, even though we're not giving that money back to customers, we're still putting it towards something that will lead to uh, hopefully ending homelessness for someone. Um, and uh, what else do you do? I'm really trying to think of a way that we can recycle or reuse the coffee grounds in a more sort of um, innovative way. Okay. How, how can we use energy, for example, um, through using coffee grounds? Because, you know, obviously there are so many cafes in Perth and, yes, we can make coffee scrubs and really delightful things. Mm. But what else can we do that can really either sort of generate power for someone who can't afford electricity mm-hmm. um, or just doing something pretty cool in that sense but uh, that's you know down the track and it's pretty you know scientific that I need to sort of probably find someone else to help me do. Mm, that's incredible but isn't it like it's so great to have those things on your radar or you know and to be even sharing them here on the podcast today because you never know who's someone's out there that's maybe thinking the same thing but wants to partner with somebody else around it to go well you know collectively together we could maybe get this project off the ground as opposed to you know everyone sort of chipping away in their pockets in their little kind of areas yeah and I think that was the main part of you know our name being the underground collaborative is because there are so many issues um, that kind of swept underground and we're kind of working in silos sometimes I think if we really genuinely want to make impact 
we can't really do that unless we collaborate. So mm. what can we do more together as a team, as a community to, to drive, you know, more change and more sustainable change and better, bigger, effective change in the world and not trying to sort of be so, I don't want to say secretive, I guess, just wanting to do things on your own. How can we really share? There's so yeah. much that needs to be done. And so, it's such a greater impact that we can make, you know. Exactly, yeah. Two or four or six or eight people and go yeah. on and on and on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, wow, there's some definitely some great opportunities there, like you said, around energy or different ways that you can take it even to another level and then what you're already doing with the sustainability component of it. Mm, it, it's, it is very hard and obviously when you're trying to operate commercially it's always hard to be able to make enough money but still sort of address other social aspects yeah social aspects of business mm. um, without it sort of being a financial hit um, yeah so well like you said you're still trying to run a business and you've got wages to pay and mm. you know fees and you know the cart to maintain and all those sorts of things yeah but definitely conscious of it and always thinking how can we do better. Yeah, absolutely. And even that, just in terms of the headspace and looking for opportunities is probably one step of where we were 10 years ago, Think you know, it wasn't really even on our radar. Mm, that's right, yeah. In terms of, um, you know, lessons that you've learned that if someone was thinking, oh, I'd really love to start a social impact or a social enterprise business, has there been certain lessons that you've learned or even advice that you've been given that you would think, oh, that's, you know, something I would tell to somebody else in the community if they were thinking about starting a similar business? Um, I, I think how I suppose definitely helped me was just doing a lot of research mm-hmm. um, and I think being careful not to mix it with um, the notion of charity because charity is very different in a, compared to a social enterprise and and making sure that um, not that you're not duplicating something because I think with social enterprise there are so many things that we can tackle that uh, means that we can do more through business um, as opposed to, I suppose, starting a charity where there's lots of the same thing happening and we're always trying to drive um, funding. Um, but I think definitely yeah, lots of research and just talking to people in the space and um, because there are so many amazing things happening out there. So mm. knowing that you're not having to do it alone and learning from each other, there are so many different social enterprise models as well. So what I suppose would be the most effective and what you want to achieve in terms of the social good that you want to do. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Is there a, a community of you know people like you that are running small social impact or small small um, social enterprises that you have been able to find? Whether that's you know online groups or face like face to face groups in your in in the Perth area that you're able to kind of connect with and brainstorm and share ideas with. Yeah, there's definitely. I think it's definitely picking up. Uh, a bit more in WA. I, I do think that there are more over East. Um, but I also think that's a good thing for us because it means we can learn more from what's been happening, mm. um, you know, all the amazing things and the work that's been done also internationally. Um, yeah, there are small groups happening and even sometimes the initiatives happening over East are starting to filter through and just um, opening up doors in WA and just the conversations are happening, I think, more freely. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that even though it's not necessarily face-to-face, there are definitely Facebook groups and online platforms and ways that we can connect 
and mm. talk more about what's happening. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, uh, earlier in our conversation about getting up and going for a walk in the morning. What other ways do you sort of maintain your own levels of energy and motivation and um, I guess wellness so that you can then go and help the community and help the people that are working for you? How do you sort of take care of yourself so then you can help to take care of other people? I actually really love to... um, I'm such an introvert that if I need to re-energize, I actually just don't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I know there are really great things you can do like meditation and other forms of, I suppose, wellness. Um, but I find that sometimes I just love to binge watch rubbish television. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first guest to have said they love a little bit of The Bachelorette to zone out at the end of the day. I'm not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds super lazy, but um, not at all. I, I think when that's you're what working, that TV's about. That's right. Yeah, but when you're working in such an intense space and it is so, um, so full on, and you're working in with people who you know you really genuinely care about, sometimes it's hard to turn those emotions off. So definitely, anything that will help to turn my brain into mush just for a second is really mm. super helpful for me personally. Yeah, definitely. I, as I said, it's you're absolutely not the first person who've said that. And, you know, I think we've spoken about this on the podcast before around what people do for, um, you know, quote, self-care is so different. And I've say this all the time, like it's not all just candles and bubble baths. Like I know we've yeah. had people on here that are like, you know what, my biggest thing is I go and get a foot massage and someone else is like, it's just taking the dog for a walk and someone else it's something different and for you it's about you know just kind of bunkering down and watching tv on your own like it's so different and Mm. I think too it also changes as your situation change or your business change or your life situation changes what helps you get through those kind of tougher days or those mentally training draining days changes Yes. (laughs) yes like it just is about being in tune with yourself and kind of checking in with yourself going oh okay maybe I need a bit of TV time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or one days I might feel like I just need a glass of wine or yeah. sometimes I think the beach is also really helpful. But like mm. you said, it definitely depends on where you are maybe in that day or in that month or just yeah. where you are in business as well. And, totally. And so absolutely changes. But I think my main one, at the, like I guess if you ask me today right now, it was definitely yeah, brainless TV. <laughs> yeah, perfect. What are some of the things that you, from both a business and also just in your personal life, that you can't um, that make your life easier? You can't live without, whether that be a person or a certain app that you use or um, different things like that. What are some of your go tos that you can't live without? Could be coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely coffee. Definitely coffee. Um, Perks of the job. Yes, I have access to that. <laughs> Um, I know this is a boring answer, but my partner is amazing. Mm. Um, couldn't do it without him. And I always say if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be where I am today with business and just, I think, life in general. So yeah, that's been really amazing. And also my family have been great. Mm. Um, pen and paper. Couldn't do it without pen and paper. Like mm. I'm such a list a person. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, a list person, yes, absolutely. But also I love to write. Like oh, okay. Feelings down, so um, I don't. I don't necessarily make an effort to be reflective. But I think just because I've done it for such a long time, when I was growing up, I've always just loved to write. Um, so I think that also helps me. Sort of, um, I guess it's also a form of self care. I'd say is just really mm. being able to put my words onto paper. 
because I'm not always someone that would talk to someone about things. Um, so I find writing really helps. So couldn't live without that either. Mm. Um, it's like free therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very <Good>. therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love some junk food. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a bit naughty and it's not supposed to no. be good for your, you know, every aspect of health but you know what I love it could be worse could, <laughs> could have worse work. habits <laughs> yeah it's not all the time it's every now and then true what's coming up um for you Katie that that's really kind of motivating you and exciting you and getting you up on those days where you might just be happy to stay in in bed for a, a little bit longer <laughs> um I just think the the notion of not knowing what's going to come around the corner there's mm. So many people that contact me and just say, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, and what can we do? And it's just so refreshing to know that people are not just necessarily doing things on their own, but they're really trying to collaborate and learn and talk. Um, And meeting new people has been amazing. Um, Obviously, the... um, the work around hopefully opening new cafes pretty exciting. That's going to take some time, but mm. um, it's nice just to be able to have something to work on that means that we can do more good. Um, and, you know, lots of other things that we can do to sort of make our business a little bit more innovative. So talking about um, how we can utilise technology more to measure impact, whether it be through a QR code or just um, like similar to thank you. I know that mm, they do yep. the the scanning, you can see where your impact was going. Like, I think it'd be pretty cool to use that. Um, so many ways that we can use technology like blockchain, where can we track our, you know, supply chain to make sure it's ethical, sustainable, and all those different things that support, say, local farmers um, in regards to our beans. And, um, yeah, there's just lots and lots of things I want to do. And, you know, affordable housing model is something that I also want to look at. So I think employment's one thing. But it's very hard to sustain without a home, especially when you're talking about homelessness and vice mm. versa. How can we sort of maintain a home without a job? I think it's nice to be able to marry those two somehow and that's not reliant so much on government. So working on that right now I think is pretty exciting. So lots of little things building away, but uh, just I need to sort of rein myself in sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've got a big year ahead. Yeah big life I guess even (laughs) yeah absolutely it Katie if people want to find out more information about Ground and Co and the work that you're doing where's the best place for them to um to find out more if they're obviously not within the Perth space um I would recommend going to the underground website which is Mm -hmm. www.theunderground.org.au that links to also to our Ground and Co website um you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Underground um, and then Ground & Co is Grand, uh, I almost forget this one, um, grandco.perf mm-hmm. and then we're also on LinkedIn as well. So um, and that's just The Underground Collaborative on LinkedIn. So we're on all, awesome. you know, most channels. Yeah, perfect. So that's theunderground.org.au and then people can link out to The Ground & Co from there. Yes, and all, all of our socials are on there as well. So probably perfect. just go to The Underground, yeah. That's awesome. Katie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and kicking us off for 2020. I think the work that you're doing is is fantastic and there's obviously so many amazing things on the horizon um, for yourself and the whole underground um, group. So congratulations on everything so far and I'm really looking forward to um to watching along through through the social media channels and and to see how the the year goes for you. 
Thank you so much, Aidan. I really appreciate being the first one, you know, for 2020 as well. It's a real honour. So uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So if this is your first episode of the podcast, please feel free to subscribe wherever you're listening now. Um, If this story is of interest to you or someone that you know, feel free to share it with them so that we can help um, spread the word about um, Katie and the work that she's doing over there in Perth, which is incredible. We will be back next week with another episode. So until then... Um, Take care and thank you again, Katie, for coming on the show. Thank you so much.